to episode 28 of Hometown Glory's second season. I'm Charlie and on behalf of the podcast, first I'd like to apologise for our recent absence. Uh, we're going to blame the Easter holidays and illness, but we're back and tonight we have myself, we have Ash, we have Rosa and we have Tom to get deep in our coy's feelings while hopefully making you laugh a little and perhaps even leaving you a tiny, tiny bit hopeful for the future. And if we fail there, then we'll definitely rouse the spirits with some brilliant culture picks. Now, speaking of culture, uh, you may have noticed we have a very sexy new theme tune. Um, Rosa, you are very much best placed to fill us in on this very exciting Hometown Glory development, please. Yes, I will gladly do so. Um, We have joked before about Fortet being a friend of the pod, and but it's really true, guys. He is, well, technically he's my friend, um, and he also couldn't care less about football. So, which is why we've managed to get him to give us some of his music to be this theme tune, because if he knew anything about football and knew anything about Tottenham, he would stay as far away as he possibly could from it. Fortunately, he doesn't know. So I managed to convince him and very kindly he said yes. And hopefully it all sounds like glorious. It does sound glorious. And Rosa, which which song is it for for those not uh, massively FA with Fortet's uh, library? Uh, how could they not be? Um, we've got my personal favourite teenage bird song. And thank you, Kieran, so much. I'm sure you're listening to hear our thoughts on uh, Tottenham's defeat against Bournemouth. Um, we really appreciate it, you wonderful man. Um, thank you so, so much. We're very excited indeed. Um, on to slightly less exciting matters. Tottenham Hotspur 2, Bournemouth 3, Christ Alive, Where to Start?, that was easily in my like top five sort of comedy Spurs defeats that are sort of so choreographed in their like nonsense ridiculousness that you quite literally couldn't make it up. Like you could not, you couldn't invent a sort of fixture going as, you know, it had, it had everything. And I think we should almost go through it beat by bit to pick out everyone's favorite ridiculous moments. Um, but it all started reasonably well. Like I thought we we looked pretty. I mean, basically we looked fine until we scored, right? I mean, Tom, that was the vibe. We started pretty pretty much on the front foot. Sonny scored, and I must say, I thought Sonny in general looks about as sprightly as he's looked all season. He scored a really nice goal, nice long lay pass. Perisic sort of caressed it back to Sonny, easy as you like, 1-0. Did you, at that point, think similar to Rosa and myself? Rosa was sat next to me for this one. I, I thought we were going to like win 4 or 5-0 at that point because Bournemouth looked terrible and we actually looked on it. We scored so early and we were really good um, and I just presumed we were going to cruise to an easy defeat. Um, I, mean, I mean an easy win, sorry. I just, I just, <laughs> Are you I mean, sure that's what you yeah, meant? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> you were right. I thought we were going to cruise to an easy win. They owed it to us. It was Bournemouth at home. And honestly, I lost count the amount of times I screamed that into the ether during the game. It's Bournemouth at home. And I'm slightly skewed because I went to uni in Bournemouth when Bournemouth were in League Two. Um, So my view of them hasn't really moved on from then. But yeah, I was buzzing for 
for um, Sonny, I thought maybe, yeah, maybe this is it. This can be uh, some sort of building block for the rest of the season. Nice, easy game. It was a lovely, sunny Saturday afternoon. We get so few Saturday 3pm kickoffs. Met some friends for a Turkish. Then I came to see you and Rosa, Charlie and Rosa. Hadn't seen you in ages. Um, it was all set up to be a lovely afternoon. And then after that song goal, that everything went horribly wrong. And I was furious by, well, for like most of the rest of the afternoon and the weekend, in fact. It was, yeah, a total shambles. Now, we at this point are quite used to teams turning up at our stadium and bossing possession, leaving us chasing shadows for most of the match. However, I feel like when Bournemouth, the team with the worst defence in the league, turn up, and even after going a goal down, still have the confidence, or perhaps more so, we allow teams to get the confidence to build up from the back without any pressing, to just knock it about, to have four or five options on the ball every time one of their players has it. Rosa, this was like the worst, right, in terms of that context. It was a total disgrace. I can't really put it any more kindly than that. I I wanted to be positive. I had, it was a really lovely day and meeting up with you guys beforehand, I was like, I'm just, I'm going to enjoy this bit because I've not got a good feeling about what's going to come next just based on the last two games. Um, and I didn't think we looked great either, even before we scored. But then we scored and I was like, this is okay, this is nice. But then immediately we were just completely terrible. Like just completely, completely terrible. Um, and after that, I was like, okay, this is what's happening. And it's not even like losing so much because actually right at the end, I don't I, like, I don't even mind the fact that we lost because that's just what happens when you throw all of your attackers on at once and you're pushing for a win. And I feel like that's, that's okay. I don't mind that. Um, it was the just total listlessness for about an hour that I don't even really blame the players because there's nothing no, everybody everybody around the club's just completely given up so really why shouldn't they like why do, I you know I don't I don't even know I feel like I've been saying Cellini is a very nice man I'm not even sure he is anymore I don't know I don't know where we stand on that as a pod um but at this point, it's like an insult to substitute teachers to call him one because we're just <laughs> like you've called us like Charlie, you've called us like a walking corpse. And that is what we are at the moment. We're just like the club has written off a quarter of a season. And I. I just I feel sort of like choked with I don't really, you know, losing whatever. But like when I think about that, I just feel like absolutely like choked with rage. I feel like the audacity of them just to say, oh, this doesn't matter. is like. We've been for a lot with you, Tottenham, and really, really, this is what you're doing this. And also just what I'll, I will finish my rant. But like, do they really think that what Conte did last season was nothing? Like it was this minor achievement to get us top four because it feels like that's what they thought and they could just get rid of Conte and his deputy could do it. Either that or they don't care about top four and either of those things makes no sense to me. Like, Ash, I, I want to come to you just to build on what Rosa was saying. Can you, I mean, it's been a few weeks now since um, the sort of zombie Conte regime was put into place. 
at the time, could you see it working? Like, were you someone that felt, do you know what? Like, maybe Stellini's done well in the fixtures where he stood in for Conte. Perhaps the players respond well to him and they, you know, you'd imagine have a really good relationship with Ryan Mason. Maybe this can get us through 10 games. All they need is the sort of angry Italian bloke to step aside and the shackles will come off and his more sort of happy-go-lucky assistant can guide them to the promised land, which, as Rosa mentions, probably isn't even that difficult anyway. Top four, we do top four every other season, whatever. It's nice and simple. Did you feel like it could have worked or is there a world in which it could have worked, maybe, do you reckon? Um, I don't know what I said at the time, um, but... Yeah, don't worry. I've not got like I've not got the receipts of what you said. I'm going to call those out. Expose me, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, what did I say? That's really bad. (laughs) That'd be a very different podcast. We started doing that. Generally awful, but um, yeah. Well, I don't I don't know how I felt, but what I will say is, it just feels like insane not to bring in a manager because it felt like there was like maybe a third of the season left, maybe or or it was something ten games. So just yeah, just over a quarter. Yeah, it just it just feels like odd to sort of leave it in like the hands of a man who's like never really managed above like the like Syria C or something like that. So that like that's just odd to me. And yeah, I think we're just in a really weird position. And hindsight is like even Ted Bowley wouldn't do this. Well he's proven that he hasn't. So it's like really weird to me that like Levy, who's this sort of sh- known to be a shrewd operator, thought leaving that this random bloke like in charge was a great idea. Um and yeah it's shocking and like I think it's rubbed off on like us, the players, like just the entire vibe around the club is like dreadful. Um, and like the sooner the season's over, the better, because I think it feels like we've all just sort of given up. I certainly have anyway. Um, please do carry on listening. We will uh, we will not give up, we promise. Um, <laughs> yeah, Ash is raising his hand. He, he accepts that isn't how he really feels. Don't worry, listeners. Um, Speaking of the atmosphere around the ground, around the club in general, I think the situation around Davinson Sanchez perhaps captures that better than anything in recent times. Um, you know, we don't need to recount what happened. Obviously, he came on. I, mean, I say I'm not going to recount it. I literally am about to recount it. He came on for Clement Longley. Uh, immediately, just every touch of his was met by boos, which culminated in him um not being booed off when he got substituted. It was this sort of almost like, I mean, Tom, you were there as well in the stadium. It was a weird, it was a really weird noise. It was like a sort of cheer, but like a really short, sharp cheer. And I was talking to a friend who was there in the press box and he said, he said it was like people who were sort of cheering caught themselves quite quickly. And when they heard the sort of noise and they heard the sort of fact that it had, gone around the stadium it was like everyone sort of caught themselves and was like oh oh Christ better not do that anymore so it's quite a weird short sharp noise that stopped quite quickly but obviously you know was still there very much I think it was also just the shock of how badly it was going perhaps that's what stopped people it's like this is going terribly anytime you've got a sub off a player who you've subbed on, mm. um, the the game is a disaster, isn't it? Uh, like, and I would never boo. I don't think I have ever booed um, our own players. And earlier in the season, I was furious when people were booing Emerson. I think Sanchez should have left a left a while ago, um, and it was a bizarre substitution. And it goes back to the manager thing that you're talking about. 
the I think what was insanely frustrating on Saturday is that we didn't want possession against Bournemouth. And, you know, Brighton outplayed us the week before, but they're Brighton are having an incredible season. Yeah. Bournemouth have been at the bottom the entire season. Um, and we've stuck with Conte's tactics after sticking with Stellini, playing five at the back and two defensive midfielders again at home against Bournemouth just seems insane. And I think part of the booing of Sat when Sanchez came on at least was probably like, why are you even bothering replacing a centre-back with a centre-back? Just fucking, let's just do something on the front foot and attack. We're, we're playing Bournemouth at home and we have to win if we want any chance of, of getting top four. So, yeah, I would never boo my own player and I thought it was incredibly sad but the, the yeah the whole afternoon was just horrible um and the crowd didn't help that with the Sanchez stuff yeah I mean I can understand people sort of going oh, why are you why are you taking why are you bringing on another defender just taken when you've just taken off one like this is a chance to like switch up the formation switch up the tactics and all of that and Stellini is obviously just kind of I don't know. He just seems throat like uh, the whole vibe around the club right now is is one of like utter paralysis. I think it seems to me like the board are paralysed. They're so frightened of making a bad decision about managers, mm. they're making no decision, which is actually worse. Like you have, like at this point, we have to act. Like I know they're not going to. Like I- I've spent the whole weekend being like, surely, 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 and it's Monday now, and I'm like, okay, well they're obviously not going to. But that's actually worse. But with Dav, when he got because his every touch got booed and that was uh, like, honestly, I, I kind of, I don't want to be, I don't want to sort of tell people off or anything or be a real drama queen about it. But I like personally feel so upset by that. And I know, you know, obviously I like really root for Dav and he's just, he's just one of those players that I will kind of root for until he leaves. And I said this to you guys earlier that I gen- it's got to this point where I genuinely, like I hope he goes to another Premier League club and like, absolutely like monsters us in a must-win game um you know a sort of you shall not pass performance but like that's that's what Tottenham has done to me right now but um it just felt really I don't know man I've seen some bad things at Tottenham and I honestly that's one of the worst experiences I've ever had like because it was really the vibe in the whole stadium was quite sort of apathetic to begin with you know like I knew that Bournemouth were gonna like out sing us and I was like I'm not even like offended by this it doesn't bother me I don't care um but it just turned like so toxic so quickly and I one of the things that I did find really interesting about it though was when Dav got substituted off you could see it really like it had an effect on the players as well. And obviously Hugo talked about that afterwards. But I feel like those sort of 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, like after he went off, or however long it was, like time sort of lost all meaning in that game. Like I turned to you at one point and I was like, I feel like there was half an hour to play still. And now it's like five minutes. <laughs> um, whatever that sort of period of time after Dav got subbed off, I feel like suddenly they all like woke up and tried to do something. And it was that kind of, we sort of saw we sort of saw that quite a bit in the Sherwood era, didn't we? Where they were like, "This guy's an idiot. Like he doesn't know what he's doing." So we're just going to go out and play the best mm. football we know how. Um, 
it was a bit like that vibe. We're just going to go for it. And actually that's when things sort of picked up around the stadium and the atmosphere was a lot better, but I don't know, man, I feel really desperate about the situation. I'm like, we've lost all perspective, like all perspective. He's been, you know, he's deleted his Instagram. I'm like, other teams have like literal rapists playing for them that get cheered every week. And we're just booing a guy who isn't as good as we think he should be. Like, like everyone just needs to take a step back. It's, it's just football. Like I, I agree with you. I, the, the only thing I, I disagree with you on is the fact that like we we shouldn't tell people off because I think we should. Okay, I, I, I just I, I just didn't want. To, I'm naturally inclined to do <laughs> no, that. Thank I, you. I, I think it's just completely like wrong what everyone did. Not everyone, but like those who booed did because mm-hmm. like I I saw a few people trying to defend it on like social media or forums, basically saying that he's a millionaire and like why should we feel sorry for him? But at the end of the day, like he's a Spurs player. And yeah, he might be a millionaire, but he's 26 year old. Like he's played for us for like a few years and he always like gives it his best mm. effort. And I just think like he has feelings and like they should be respected as much yeah. as like someone who's not a millionaire. So I think it's like really shameful and it's shameful in the same way that it happened to Emerson. And mm-hmm. another another guy, by the way, who by all accounts, you know, gives his absolute everything to the yeah. club. Is a it's really good right. person about the place, etc. It's just it's it's really like not right, and like it's happened a few times, like with different players, like at this club, and yeah, it's, it's just like it doesn't reflect well, like to me. And I just think that like our sole focus should be like while we're like during the game to, is to get behind the players, and outside of that, like people sh- can freely say what they think. But yeah. It's also, it's, it's, you know, I know footballers, as we're saying, they're, you know, they're millionaires, they're living the best life you could imagine, they're having a great time, living the dream of everyone, etc. But on a, you know, on a sort of semi-serious note, like these things, players do talk about this stuff. Like I was talking to a friend who is an agent over the weekend and he was saying like, this is the sort of stuff players do take on board like if they are considering joining a club or they're considering signing a new new contract at a club the fact that you know the fans will turn on you and boo you in your stadium is something that they do chat about and does get you know mentioned when they're all considering their futures and it's not it's just not a good look at all I, I it was, I agree with Rosa, it was one of the more sort of, without being too dramatic, like one of the more harrowing experiences I can remember watching Tottenham because the whole place just felt poisonous. Um, the only the only thing it rem- I could really feel like it was comparable to, I remember it was like, it was the Christian Gross season he got sacked and I think it was the first or second home game. We lost 3-0 to Sheffield Wednesday and um, Ramon Vega had a, similar sort of game where he just, I think he gave the ball away a couple of times. They scored a couple of early goals and that was it. Suddenly from that point on, every touch got booed. He was sort of visibly like shaken by it. And I remember Sol Campbell turning to the crowd at one point and just like jumping up and down, like apoplectic, like imploring the crowd to just stop booing his teammate. And I remember, I think I was with my dad that day. And I remember him saying, that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Campbell doesn't hang around for much longer because, you know, they just, the players don't like, you know, if you turn on their mates, 
they're not going to show you know show us the same loyalty loyalty that we demand and you know and on that on that point like we're quick to like uh, get annoyed if a players don't come over and clap whether it be a home game or away game like my friend who like goes to like every away game his text afterward is always like these are the players who came over to applaud because it means something like those small Mm. things like mean something and they create a connection and like that's really for me like what's been missing the past like three seasons and how long it's been now is that we've lost all connection like with this team and like it's annoying like watching Arsenal like have the opposite they're like so at one with like the club and I think it helps and it like means something and like obviously like they're playing better football but like I think I don't know they just go hand in hand and like we need to just like stop this now I mean, seeing like the the guy that we spent all of January, you know, just on social media, beg, keeping everything crossed that we would sign Pedro Porro, you know, he's going to be our new saviour, et cetera, et cetera. And then the bloke's like, you know, he had to delete all of his social media accounts hours after the game because he's just being hounded by, you know, and he's played like five or six times for the club. It's just miserable it's absolutely miserable and it's obviously stu- like it's stupid although it's worth pointing out Poro was <laughs> he was absolutely diabolical he was dreadful he really he was so <laughs> so bad I'm sorry he was yeah he was, he was and, you but know, he we didn't shouldn't, have his every touch there were a lot of terrible either. performances it was really bad I just don't want to I just think the thing the specific thing with with Dav is that he's become an absolute sort of lightning rod for like all of the problems with this club. And it's just like, that's one guy, that's one young man mm-hmm. who I just, uh, you know, I want to remind people as well that he has played really well for us at times. It's not like he's been, I know most people don't think he's any good and that's fine. Um, he has had a very up and down career at Tottenham, uh, you know, and I feel like that's probably, lots of people would say that as putting it very kindly, but he really, he was, he was a big part of the run-in last season when Romero had another one of his like mystery ailments and we didn't fucking see him again. Like he like called in sick before the North London derby and then we didn't see him again for the rest of the season. And it was Sanchez who played Sanchez. Right. And it's not just, I feel like this part of a big part of the problem this season is we have just forgot. We forgot everything that happened last season. Like all of us, like fans, players, club manager, and as if, like, none of it ever happened just because, I don't know why, just what, because suddenly, just because Arsenal pretended it never happened, basically. So we've just decided to go that same route. I don't know, man. I just, is that, in a way, it was quite fortunate, though, because it just meant I was not that upset with, with losing because I didn't want any of the people who did the booing to be happy at all. It was, it was completely, you know, going back to my original point, it, it kind of had everything from a real sort of Spurs disaster class, even down to another disallowed goal for poor old Richarlison, who I think we can probably agree now um, is just cursed. And I feel like despite knowing that he's never going to score a goal in the league for Spurs, he's sort of somehow become my favourite player. <laughs> I just like I just think we're so much we're just we're so much better with him in the team. I really I really do love him. Um 
Tom Richardson, is he going to score this season slash ever? Are we just going to sell him before he even scores? Well, another absurd managerial decision is that he didn't start, right? Because Kulazewski, and like we love him on this podcast, I love him. He's so good at times, but he's so out of form. It's like absolutely ridiculous um, how badly he's been playing, to be honest. He had a, he had a, moment in the early part of the game I think a, a moment or two and then dropped off completely so how Richarlison isn't starting how Dan Juma isn't starting I don't know but yeah agreed Richarlison's cursed and we're destined to have people take the piss out of us uh, in the summer by reminding us that he hasn't scored a league goal almost almost certainly now I've just I've just given up on even a couple of league goals from him <laughs> It's um, it's just like the kind of the new ways in which these goals seem to be disallowed. Like it's you know the one I don't even one on Saturday was he offside on Saturday? It's like it's often someone else's offside, but it's his goal. So it's everything that could be going wrong for the poor bloke seems it's, to be going wrong. It's also insane that Dan Juma has now scored a league goal before him, <laughs> like on based on no minutes he hasn't he hasn't played i mean if we're talking about bright spots he he was a definite bright spot right i mean he was taking on his man he was beating his man he was looking purposeful and also i think crucially he didn't look sort of cowed by the you know the misery that is surrounding the club he he played like a guy that actually had some confidence and a point to prove which he certainly does for the fact that he joined three months ago and has played about 16 minutes. Um, we want to see more of him, right? Ash, you bang up for a bit more than Juma. I'm up for anything this change. I don't <laughs> care what it is, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> Get him in. <laughs> um, I mean, there's plenty of other players that we could literally pick apart almost everyone's performance in the weekend, but that's... Oh, do we? Uh, do I want to look to I, Newcastle? I a, Jesus I Christ. Question. I do have a Go question. On, What's your question? Um, like, what, what, what are your thoughts on Kulisevsky? Because we've had him for like now, what, like nearly eighteen months, and it was like a very good first period. And I don't know whether we judge him on that first period, which was amazing, or this longer period, which is now terrible and more indicative of his time at Juventus than Palmer. So I don't know how good Kulisevsky is anymore. I genuinely have no idea. I'm I'm not going to judge anybody on this season. I've decided. Um, I just think this season has been misery, largely from start to finish. Um, so there's just no point. I will, I think, no, I, I'm not going to judge anybody. I am going to judge Romero because I think he has been a disgrace, an unnecessary disgrace for most of the season. Um, but everybody else, I'm like, it's a clean slate. Romero, you have a lot to prove next season. Um, I'm sure you won't bother. But everybody else, I think I give him a clean slate because the whole thing has just been, let's be honest, a debacle. Yeah, I um, agree with Rosa. And I also think Kulisevsky is still so young and was surely bought to be more of a squad player than than he suddenly became. I don't really get why, we've, why Richarlison's had so few starts and we've persisted with starting Kulazewski. I'm Yeah, I'm hoping this is a blip and he can get his confidence back because he's totally without it at the moment. I think that's that's a, a bigger issue with me and our team selection across the season. And I know Richarlison's had injuries at awkward times and inopportune times, but 
you know, and we've seen it with Sonny all season as well. And now we're seeing it with Kulisewski where, and also when you then see someone like Danjuma come into the team and actually look, you know, full of running, a bit of confidence, he'll shoot on site. Like why don't, when someone's looking like that and the guy that is keeping them out of the team is playing like a shadow of himself, get them out of the team. Like Tom's completely right. Kulisewski doesn't, he's not Harry Kane. He doesn't need to be starting every single match. He's not, you know, he's not a 28 year old sort of superstar that you drop and suddenly their agents banging on your door asking, you know, for a transfer. He's a 22, 23 year old that would benefit from being sat on the bench for a bit and being an impact sub for a couple of weeks. If it's going to, you know, give him a kick up the arse or give him a bit of a change of focus why and again i think it comes back to what rosa said we're just stuck in this sort of para- paralysis if i can say paralysis where like no one's capable of making a proactive decision it's just going through the motions and i just it's it is so bleak and i think the you know the managerial hunt which you know let's let's talk about that because why not you know i think again rosa you're completely right we're just terrified of making the wrong call so it's far, far easier for the club, it seems, to just say, well, we'll wait to the summer because that's when more candidates will be open to having a conversation and there'll be a deeper pool of players for us to, sorry, managers for us to talk to, et cetera, et cetera. I just, I don't even know if that's true. I don't know if you need to look beyond some coaches that are actually available right now. I just, it just seems bizarre and bonkers what we're doing right now. Um on the managerial hunt, one my first question to everyone is, would you be, after the weekend, would you have just phoned up Pochettino and asked him to come back? Tom? Uh, I think I'll still stick with what I said last time we talked about managers in that I think Pochettino isn't the one. I did initially think that the plan to wait till summer was probably a good idea given, you know, managers don't want to leave clubs at this point in the season. Um, Vincent Company's just got Burnley promoted. Why wouldn't he see at least see out the the season, Mm. for example? Um, Deserby, who probably isn't going to get it now after his sort of tantrum uh, against us. Uh, Deserby or Thomas Frank aren't going to leave at this point in the season. Uh, So I did initially think it was a good idea to stick to go with Stellini and Mason, but it's it's been awful. So I don't know who who else is available other than other than Poch. Like, are Chelsea just going to get Nagelsmann and potentially wait? I mean, them bringing in Lampard's insane too, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> at least they're they're the only well, City, City's potentially winning the league and Chelsea being an absolute shambles are the only silver linings right now, right? At least we're... Chelsea fans can't give us any shit. At least we're in the top <laughs> half of the table. Um, they are absolutely stuck in, in 11th. But yeah, I uh, I digress anyway. I don't think it should be pop still, but I don't know that we can continue with Stellini right now. I mean, I feel like... I guess the only other contender who is out of work that you could maybe convince to come in is Luis Enrique who I saw uh, Matt Law at the Telegraph said that we're what did he say we're considering an approach <laughs> which kind of captures the uh, the sort of pace of things at the club right now doesn't it but um, but then I suppose a lot of even someone like Enrique probably want to just you know 
start in the summer and spend the next few weeks sort of getting the coaching staff together and planning what he wants to do, et cetera, et cetera. And avoid having anything tainted by yeah. this absolute curse season. Yeah. You know, yeah. why would you want any involvement in it if yeah. you could help it? And I suppose, like, it feels like Poch is maybe the only one who is so soppy and sort of inflicted by this Coy's affliction of ours that he sort of would be tempted to try and make things better right now, which I suppose is another reason why so many people do want him back. Um, Ash, what camp are you in? I know you've been quite hesitant to sort of clamour for Poch's return at any stage, right? I've never really wanted him. And the only reason I would want him is because I just think he's going to come back eventually. So he may as well just get it over with because I think it's another sort of more minor issue is that whenever there's like a bump in the road, there's like calls for Pochettino to return and everyone's singing his name, like whether it's in the ground or like at Seven Sisters, like mm. you hear it. So I think, yeah, I'm, I've never been for it, but I would have gone for it, gone with it, sorry, uh, for these last like games when Conte went, because for me at that stage, the season was still less, like we could still salvage something. We were like top four at that point. I think we were in the Champions League. So it, it's just really odd to just throw away the season at that point and just be like, okay, we're going to keep the entire like backroom staff like in place and not change anything because Conte had a meltdown after like the game. It, it just feels like... It, oh, it's bizarre. I mean, there's a reason why it's literally never happened. In I mean, I sort of did some digging and it is, I can't find one example. I mean, Chelsea did it for one week before realising that that was in itself balmy. And then obviously Chelsea yeah. themselves by going and getting Frank Lampard. But no one in the history of football has ever sacked a coach but left his entire coaching staff in place for a quarter of the season. Yeah, and if it was for like, you know, the last four or five games and there was nothing to play for, like whatever fine but yeah there, there was still so much to play for and yeah I, I'm I just can't get my head around why this has happened that's like the mm. thing Levy's so obsessed with the Champions League so like why why risk that when it's like still there and like with Kane and Son there's always a chance and you like, know we're, we're playing for the you know for the future of the club's you know probably the club's greatest ever player could very easily put in another transfer request in a few weeks. Him staying is made a lot easier by qualifying for the Champions League next season. And for us to just be so inert and unbothered by what's going on seemingly, it's just absolutely bizarre. Um, Rosa, you're a lot more pro-Poch, right? Yeah, I'm 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 all in, man. I just I can't resist it anymore. Um I I did for ages and I just thought it's done, let's just move forward. But that was when Conte was here and now he's gone and we're faced with this absolute shit show. And it's just I I just looked down like all like every all of the sort of criteria we want is just like, you know, number one wants to be here fine here he is like an attacking minded coach and just somebody who cares but I just think more than anything else right now we don't even need like we do need a good coach Pochettino is a good coach I don't think you know I, I don't 
I'm not worried about that at all. Um, I think everything got quite sort of tired towards the end for lots of different reasons, but mainly because he didn't have any money. So fine, you can't refresh your squad and then you run out of ideas and energy. Fine. But he was the best coach we've ever seen um, at our club. So I don't worry about that. But ultimately, we need... Part of the problem with Conte was that whether or not he wanted to be here, and I feel like he really did... Um, but the fact that you could have a, an argument with people about it show that there was a problem. So we need, we're a very fragile fan base. I've said this many times. We need, whether we deserve it after Saturday, I don't know, but we need someone just to take, just to like hold our hand and say, I'm here. It's all right. Like, Things will be fine. You don't, don't, you don't need to get yourself in a kind of tiz about curses or whatever. Um, it's going to be all right. I'm here now. And like Poch did that for us, man. He was like, doesn't matter. I'm going to challenge for the league. Doesn't matter. I'm going to go for the Champions League. He like properly took our like ridiculous club motto and tried to live it. And so we already know he can do all of those things. And I feel like more than anyone else, he could unite a fan base. Like, and if I think about him coming back now, like the first get the first home game with him there, like I get chills thinking about it. And to be honest, at this point, I also feel like he deserves it because he did so much for us, man. And he got no money to spend. We, when we were challenging Conte's Chelsea that January, we bought nobody. Like, that's a disgrace. That's criminal, man. Um, and I think he should be given the chance to do it because, like, well, now we've got money, so he should get to spend it. So I'm like, now I just feel like I'm all in. And I think, like, like we should just get him now. We should have called him on Saturday. And this is it because, and I think also Ash is right, that it's, it's only going to happen at some point. And there's mm -hmm. whatever you know the next manager is just there's going to be wobbles that's just inevitable so let's just put the Pochettino question aside kind of once and for all and I think if there are like if the rumors are true and like Levy is pro Pochettino but it's all the rest of the board who are against him I'm also like who the hell do you think you are like Maurizio Pochettino has that. Who do you think you are to say no to Maurizio Pochettino? Everything that he's done for this club, what have you done for this club? You don't get to say no to him. He gets to say no to you. End rant. <laughs> a very good rant it was too. I am. Um, I mean, there seems to be in a spate of reports out today, sort of offering updates on the managerial chase, the very sort of tortoise and hare style chase that we're we're uh, undertaking and. Pretty much everyone saying right now that Pochettino just isn't part of the conversation, isn't in the frame. I wonder if that changes um, in the next sort of week or so. If we do, you know, as it feels like we probably might get turned over by Newcastle, get turned over by Man United, get turned over by Liverpool. We are not winning another game this Things season. Could have based reached on such a... evidence. We are not winning another game this season based on the <laughs> like based on Saturday's evidence. Like for like like for real, there was nothing. Oh. Did, did anybody see any? No, based on the level of opposition and the level of because even like we only got into it because Bournemouth like let us gave us get the back ball. into it. Yeah. yeah, our fixtures look horrible now after like not being able to do fucking even snatch a draw. <laughs> like most of that game, I was just uh, uh, as well as screaming 
it's fucking Bournemouth at home. I was just saying what we left trying to like steal a draw from Bournemouth at home and we nearly got a draw. That's what we, that's, we got about, what was it? <laughs> fucking barely five minutes of like, oh, we're going to get a draw. I guess that won't be the worst thing in the world against Bournemouth at home. And then with that in mind, you look at our fixtures and yeah, we're not going to win. We're not going to win anything, are we? Even, even like the one, like the, I was like, oh, well, we've got Palace at home. Palace are, you know, they're now like the form team in the league. They're gonna, they're gonna wipe the floor of us. Like, it's we got Brentford. Nah, not gonna be Brentford whom, last home game. No both way. Both of whom play exciting attacking football. Like, actually, just well, at least Palace under Roy, but they try and score goals, which we don't. We didn't want pos- possession against Bournemouth. Like, what hope? Against Villa, Brentford, Palace, United. Um, yeah, I mean Villa, Villa we are away is another one. Villa are we are going to get so beaten well. eight 0 by Liverpool. I'm calling it now. We're going to make United <laughs> look good. <laughs> I mean, it really, it really does start feeling like a throwback to that Sherwood sort of running, doesn't it? Where do you remember? It was Anfield, wasn't it? Where like half the players were just sort of leaning up against the wall of the tunnel before kickoff, just like chilling and barely bothered and they concede a goal within two minutes and that's the game gone. Very that's, similar that's, vibes. Also, oh, you mentioned Liverpool. That's Liverpool who've just scored six against Leeds tonight. So, Oh, have they really? I didn't see that. Oh, Gak, yeah. Gak away and, as well. Away. Gakpo yep. and Salah going Jeez, wild, Leeds are in so. real bother, aren't they? They're really... Never mind, they'll get a win against us. Yeah, they probably need to win to stay up. So don't, don't worry, Leeds. Last day of the season, we'll, we'll sort you out. Um, I want to just... Go back to because I, I think Rosa makes a really interesting point about you know the club is on sort of life support in terms of like people's enthusiasm levels right now and people freaking out and the sort of culture war that exists around yes to Poch coming back, no to Poch coming back, all of this stuff. Is there another candidate that could unite the fan base that could? spark that togetherness that we had with Pochettino that, you know, dis- disgustingly Arsenal have with Arteta, all of this stuff. Who else could do that, do you reckon? Ash, is there anyone that leaps out at you as being able to sort of inspire that sort of vibe again? I think anyone who plays on the front foot will do that. Generally, mm. like, I think people have been so sort of fed up with the first, like, the Mourinho thing, Nuno being even worse and then like the fallout of Conte I think anyone who's going to play in a positive way and you know like really wants to be here that will kind of be enough yeah uh, to begin with and then obviously like the results will dictate it um but I think like you know you've got company slot uh Nagelsmann I think like those three I, I'm not sort of familiar with like many of the others but those three in particular I think like mm. I don't see any reason why people would be angry about those appointments. Obviously, Pochino is the main one too, but we've we've covered that. So okay. Right, is there anyone else that if it wasn't to be parched, is there anyone else that would have you excited for next season? No, man, I just wanted to be parched. No, that's a lie. I do just because I've like I've sort of gone from being like not wanting Poch back, I've just gone all in. Um I'm just fully committed. I you know, I guess I like, I, you know, I really like Vincent Company, but I do feel like people 
I can sort of see it now. I feel like people would get very excited. And if we had like a dodgy run of results or it took some time, because the thing is, it is true that, you know, a coach who kind of wanted to come in and play attacking football would make everyone feel positive again. But I do also feel like that might take a little while to get going because it's been quite a long time that we have not played on the front foot Mm. and that will take quite a bit of work. And I know that it wasn't great the way Stellini said it about kind of, he basically like blamed individual players and he said it was a kind of mentality thing that we sort of retreated into our shells. But, and obviously he should be trying to fix that. But I also don't think he was wrong. We've been doing it for so long. I think it will take quite a lot of work to get us out of that mindset. Um, And a lot of probably just really basic psychology like come on guys you can do it you're footballers do you know what I mean just some really basic just arm around the shoulder and stuff that I don't think any of them have had for a really long time so I feel concerned that another manager we'd all get excited about and then we would hit some kind of bumps in the road and people would start grumbling again so Mm. I, I just honestly, I do like, I know that like, obviously we're not going to get Poch and it's just like the latest Tottenham insanity, but I just feel like he's the one who could kind of stretch that out for longest. Like I think people would give him more time. I just, we just don't have any, I don't know. I don't have any faith in us being patient at all, basically. Okay. It's, it's an interesting one with Poch, you know, because it took him so long to get the team playing well. <laughs> and, exactly. It did take a while. And a mass clear out. So it's like, I just don't know like the state of what, where people are at. Like, are they gonna even allow even him to do that? Because it was, it was. I, I, I genuinely believe that like the first bit of Pochettino period before Kane has the the last free kick he scored. By the way, hits that indirect free <laughs> kick at Aston Villa. That was the worst football I've seen at Spurs. Like it was, it was so bad. So I wonder if people would put up with that, like now. And Poch talks about that. He talks about that game being the turning point. Mm. He was like, we all like had our like we were going to pack our bags up at full time, basically. And then they won that game and kind of didn't look back really. So I mean, that's football, though, isn't it, man? It just hinges on these. Sometimes it just hinges on these really I mean, tiny mad things. If Richarlison scores that header, you know, in the it doesn't 90 matter. It's a second matter. minute. No, but I just, you know, that is it's things <laughs> it doesn't like that. Hinge on that kind of thing. No, I know what you mean. But I feel like <laughs> without without a proper manager, it really it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Um I will yeah, say this. Gonna, I do I do want to be more yep. I do want to be more optimistic. So I do feel like like I did I did really enjoy watching Richarlison come on and just be extremely energetic and he made some, you know, he just he gave defenders something to worry about which we just hadn't been doing at all. And maybe yeah. with Sonny, actually. That's another nice thing, isn't it? He seemed to play really well. Yeah, Sonny did well. I mean, I think, you know, you go through the, the squad and there, I think there is enough to not just have some confidence that a new manager who wants to be here that's got good ideas could form a team uh, that looks good and also plays, you know, attacking football because there seems to be enough talent there that have played attacking football at other clubs to suggest that, you know, good things can happen. Um, I, I think I'm always, I'm always sort of of the belief as well that if you're a very, very rich Premier League club, which despite all grumbles about Enix spending, et cetera, et cetera, we are a football club that has a lot of money. Things aren't ever quite as bad as they might have been 15, 20 years ago because you can 
you know, you can turn things around really quickly. You can spend some money. If you hire the right manager, you know, we went from Nuno to top four in like seven months. Like it, it can be, it can be done. So if they get this managerial hire right, I think we'll be, we'll be just about okay. Next season will at least be, you know, 50 times more fun than this at least. Yeah, and I do, I really, really want to back up your point there because it is so not like 15, 20 years ago. Ollie showed me this clip the other day of um, a goal that Gary Doherty scored, I believe it was. And we were just watching away it. At, away at Sunderland, yeah. It was, right, uh, you, so yeah. you saw it as well, like in it. actual hysterics of like, none of those people were proper footballers, man. Like, Stephen Clements, Stephen Clements scored and Gary Doherty scored two goals that day and a 3-2 away win at Sunderland. Yeah. You're like, how bad was Sunderland, man? But you could see it like the ball sort of pinging around and like eventually just sort of goes in the back of the net like, oh, I guess I'm here now. You know, just we don't we don't have that. Like we're nowhere near that. And I think that's partly why those stupid losses are so frustrating because when we, we would lose those kind of games all the time, right, back in the 90s. But we were terrible. So it made sense. Whereas now it's like, this is so unnecessary. It's so unnecessary, yet here we are again. Ash nailed it for me when he said um, that we get a, we need a manager who plays on the front foot and everything can turn around very quickly, who plays positive attacking football. Because we can sit here and say that the, you know, the fans have been toxic or the club is cursed or whatever, but we've also kind of just been gaslit by the football club and we've been watching quite terrible football for a while now. <laughs> the minute a an exciting manager comes in and gets people playing attacking football, that can all change so quickly because I can't watch another manager who wants to play football without possession, even against really quite terrible teams. And also I can't watch any more for a 5-2-3, sorry. I just can't take it. Who do you want, Tom? Who's your pick? I quite, I quite like Thomas Frank and Deserby, but that's only because I don't really watch European football. So um, and company as well. So I don't really have a, I don't really have a first choice. But I will take anyone at this point. So you know they've ground us down, and when they announce Brendan Rodgers, I'll be like. Fine, we've just got a fucking manager at last. We've done something. No, Tom, I will not let you do this to yourself. No. <laughs> Look, if it can, we, if not, we, we will not accept Brendan. If it could happen with Nuno, we do not. This Tom does not speak for this pod. <laughs> I, I could surely find our like group text chat when we appointed Nuno, and we were all buzzing. You, I was like talking about you know how underrated his Wolves team were, how they took us to bits at our place that season. About his lovely beard, his nice smile. They, this club grinds you down. It gaslights you into submission. It really does. So yeah, welcome, Brendan. July, July fifteenth. Here we come. Um, I'm out. Let's, See ya. Yeah, roses. <laughs> that would be roses. Last episode of Hometown Glory. Um, quickly, because we sort of have to, as it's Hometown Glory tradition. But just <laughs> your predictions for how heavily Spurs will, are going to lose at St James's Park on the weekend. Um, Ash, you first. What's the score going to be? Mm. 3-1 to Newcastle Well we're going to score a goal Okay that's good Going to score a goal um, Rosa 3-0 We are not going to score a goal 
Okay. They've been kind of inconsistent, so I will try and will into submit into into being uh, a tool. Ooh, score a draw! That's wildly optimistic. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Normally, yeah. it's me, and you'll tell me off. I was gonna. We're gonna lose three 0 I think we're gonna get roundly turned over. I just think away from home, particularly, was just. Not much about us, but I'm always wrong with predictions. So who knows? Um, it's a tough weekend for Spurs men. It's probably going to be a tough weekend for Spurs women again as well, Rosa, is it? Yeah, I don't. Oh, God, I'm so sick of this. I just honestly, can we just fast forward through the rest of the season? Just wake us all up at the start of next season. Um, it is going to be very tough. We've got um, Villa. We've got them at home, but... Mm, um, they're fifth. They've been flying all season. Um, they 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 basically did everything that we should have done. They made loads of really smart buys, um, have a great manager, and they are kind of deservedly reaping the rewards. So it's pretty tough. I at best we could scrape a draw, I think. Cause like with, you know, it's we've always got a chance with Bethany England, so that is what I will hope for, but nothing more than that. Basically, I'm pinning all my hopes on the other games because Brighton have Everton and Reading have Liverpool, I believe. Okay. Or is that the way around? I can't remember. But either way, those are two potentially. So Brighton, um, Brighton, Reading, Leicester all below us. It's all very tight at the bottom. Um but those are some tough games, so hopefully they will drop points. Because basically the last time we played, um, we lost to Everton with a really galling last-minute um, goal. And that day, Leicester beat Reading to move themselves off the bottom of the table. So it kind of couldn't really have gone any worse. So hopefully it won't be that bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's, at, that's all I got for you. Yeah. This is where we're at. Um <laughs> Let's cheer ourselves up. Culture, culture picks. Ash, you first, please. Give us some culture, please, my um, friend. I saw the Layman trilogy uh, and it was incredible and I highly recommend it. Um, it is three hours, though. Okay. One downside. It's three hours long. It's With insane. an interval, though, right? It's not, they don't make you sit like three hours all the way through. I can hear you. What do you say? They, uh, they do have an interval, right? Uh, there are two intervals, yeah. Okay, there you go. Yeah, so it's, you can have a little walk, uh, get an expensive ice cream. It's quite hard to G yourself up during the second interval. I found I've done a, a double interview, a few a double interview, a double interval a few times in my life, and the the energy you have to like sort of find within yourself to go back again for the for another round after a second sort of posh ice cream, yeah. It's a lot, and it's not good if you're uh, if you've got a you know anti dairy stomach. So don't have too many ice cream. But um, I do rate the play though; it's really good. Check okay, okay, good. Um, I feel yeah. bad for you, Ash, because the national does a lovely uh, ginger ice cream. Well, really good. Now I know. <laughs> I'll risk. I'll risk it. Um. My wife's got lots of, uh, she's not having dairy at the moment. She's found a lot of good uh, dairy-free ice creams that she can recommend you, Ash. So I'll get, I'll get Emily to text you a couple. Um, Tom, your pick, please, this week. Uh, 
I really like the new Muramasa song, uh, which is called Whenever I Want. It's very ravey and he's uh, apparently the new album's got no guest vocalists. So there's just a very good sample uh, in that track. It's kind of like, um, yeah, I don't know, ravey, almost gabbery or something, piece, bit kind of PC music-ish. Um, that's very good. Uh, the new Any EP I like a lot. Um, she's just such a cool vocalist and rapper. Oh, I was going to shout that out. It's so good, isn't it? So good. She's she's just excellent. Um, and yeah, and TV, obviously Succession, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute. But um, yeah, Race Across the World is like the best reality show. It's on BBC <laughs> One and Dallas Yes, Leia. I got sucked into watching that because I was away... Um, last week with my family and my mum and my brother are both completely obsessed with it and I'd like I, I, I was promise like oh, you, wow the I relationships so man good. yeah the the stories of the it's kind of there's five or six pairs of people uh who are like best friends or father and daughters and they have to race across the world they're given a certain amount of money and they've got their stages the new series is in Canada, but the first two were a bit more ambitious. I think pre-COVID, they could kind of hop across borders, and it's not as easy now. But if you haven't, go. You the both the first two series are so so good. They're on iPlayer, and I'm not a big like reality guy, but um, the human stories in it, you get like it's a mix of a kind of travel show, a reality show, and these very like beautiful like um, relationships. Uh, Those two screen. brothers, man. The brothers yeah they were like these two brothers and their backstory was so like it really got me they had like one of the like their dad had died and then the older brother had like just gone like come up like he came out and then he went off to university and the other one they just kind of didn't really speak for like years right and the other one was very kind of unconfident and so good and then they just like got to hang out together man they basically like repaired their relationship on screen i'm like choking up just thinking about it yeah and on the new series there's these two ladies who are like maybe 60 and they're like best friends they've been best friends since i really want them to win man they're like they're on it they know they're they're very cute i think i quite like mobine and zaineb they're my who are married couple they're my my favorites but honestly the first two series are both on iplay and they're all so so good um Really easy, easy to watch, and you get to look at beautiful locations. The current ones in in Canada, yeah, co-sign that one absolutely. Very nice, um, Rosa. Yours? Yeah, I feel like um, I just suddenly remembered we had to do loads of coaching. And I was like, oh, what have I, what have I been doing? Um, I have been listening to the new song by Victoria Monet and Lucky Day, which is called Smoke, which is just like right in the middle of my wheelhouse. It is like the smoothest R&B you'll ever hear. Very much has that kind of, somehow sounds like it was made in the late 90s, early aughts, without making you just go, oh, I'm just going to listen to that stuff instead. So that's a real sweet spot for me. Um, Rosalia also released an EP with her bow, Rao, I don't know how you pronounce it, Alejandro, which I have absolutely loved. Um, and they've made like loads of cute videos together, which I also enjoy. I'm watching Yellow Jackets. I've got a couple of episodes to catch up on, but season two is also just, it seems just as brilliant as the first and has, I'm still waiting for a couple of new cast members, which I'm excited about, but I can still strongly, strongly recommend it. Yeah, Succession. I also went to the theatre to see... Fedra, Fedra, Fedra. I don't know why my pronunciation just, I just, I'm not on it tonight. At the National, I enjoyed it at the time. 
but kind of the more I think about it afterwards, the more I'm like, it was just a big old mess, like kind of sustained by a great performance by Janik Matia. So half a recommend there. But yeah, fortunately, Tottenham have been so terrible and it's just given me loads of time to do other fun things instead. There you go. Always with an upside, Rosa. Nice to mm-hmm. Uh, I too went to the theatre the other week. We went to see uh, Paul Mescal in A Streetcar Named Desire, which um, my wife described as going to uh, The Thinking Woman's Magic Mike, as I've never seen so many, uh, not just women, actually, just people of all ages, all genders, just like basically panting throughout, sort of watching him um, sort of just prowl the stage in this very sort of animal you know just essence of just man that he has in this performance it's kind of extraordinary um was he good and he is excellent he's really really good um he's very very good and the yeah he deserved his uh his uh olivier award that he got the other week i thought if only for his mullet which he managed to pull off as well and sort of half got me thinking like maybe could do a Mullet, Emily, fortunately, told me you can't do a mullet, so don't do that. Um, this is like Tottenham driving us to crazy things, like yeah. most break-up hairdos, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that was maybe one for, you know, one of the lockdowns. I should have tried that out. Not now we're back in the real world. Um, musically, I also loved that NEP. Definitely recommend that. Um, oh, there's a song by uh, Kate Trinada and um, Amine have done a, a hookup thing. So Kate Mane, I guess you're calling like it's a sort of portmanteau of their name. Um, The first song they've released is a track called Forever featuring Pharrell, which is just like as smooth and lovely as you'd imagine with those three people involved. So definitely, definitely recommend that. Um, What else have I been listening to? Quite like the new Georgia Smith song, Try Me is very good. Um, there's an album called Mother Father by Petty Noir, which I really like. He's a Congolese artist. Um, that's very good. It's got a really good song with uh, Sampa the Great on called Blurry, which I particularly love. Um, big fan of hers. Um, and Beef, being sort of wolfing down episode after episode of Beef, which I think is definitely one of the best things I've seen in like three, four, five years. I think it's amazing. Um, it's up there with succession as far as I'm concerned in terms of quality of TV. Um, and yeah, we'll talk about succession next week when Billy's back. Cause I was going to say, do you want to talk about it, but we can't, can we do a succession chat? I think. Were we all unspoiled for when in we ter- watched it? I've even watched the newest one actually. Have you? I have, but yeah. when you watched last week's episode, <clears throat> did you have any idea what was going to happen? no, but I did wake up. We were going away. You watched it like at 7am time, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, because I woke up and saw a load of tweets just literally saying like, oh my God, oh my God, like no spoilers, but that was incredible. And TV critics saying that'll be the episode that wins the Emmys. Um, so I had to watch it immediately. And I'm glad I did because there were so many spoilers around, obviously. Mm. Really? I mean, I'm I'm interested to ask actually. With spoiler culture, what is acceptable? Because to my mind, what's acceptable is 24 hours after the yeah. episode is aired in that country. And oh, I get no, that no. there's this weird like grey area when it airs in the States and also airs like as live in the UK. So if you were really committed, you could sort of stay up at midnight and watch it when the Americans watch it or whatever. But I think if like if Sky 
broadcast it at 9 p.m. on a Monday, like Tuesday, 10 p.m. or whatever is when you're allowed to like go, oh my God, like I can't believe X died or whatever. That's fine. Any, I think any, it's, I think it's any fair game immediately. Yeah. <laughs> I think mute, mute words. Immediately. Social media. Immediately. Yeah, straight away because you, <laughs> you've got to just stay off socials. But why? But to my to my mind, the reason why it's not okay is that like it's such a dick move because you're just doing it for your own like. Who are you impressing, or who are you like? You're just doing it to like say, yeah, "Oh, I've watched yeah. it, and I'm going to annoy you now." Just by... have your own WhatsApp group, like normal people, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just... this could serve as a warning anyway for next week to everyone. You got, you've got a week. We're giving you an extra week to mm-hmm. watch that. Yeah, you'll, yeah, you'll note we're being very good and not mentioning exactly what happened. I mean, surely everyone that cares about Succession has watched that episode now. Like, surely. Um, you'd think uh, so, yeah. You'd think so. But yeah, we will do, I think we'll plan in a sort of proper Succession chat for when we're all on and Billy's here because Billy is particularly succe- uh, Succession obsessed. So it'd be wrong to launch in without him. But um uh, I, I do want Tom and Rosa though. Your thoughts on spoilers? What's the acceptable time period? And don't agree with Ash with nothing. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's too ruthless for me. Um, I feel like a day is fine. I think a day because um, I mean it really depends on the show. Because I think with something you know, when Game of Thrones was it, it's like Zenith, mm. right? You just knew you knew you had to stay off social media until you watched it, just yeah. because it was that kind of show that kind of dealt in shocks. Uh, I think with something like Succession. It hasn't ever, it hasn't really been that kind of show, except right at the, the sort of like final episodes, I guess. So I think when shows like that do a real heel turn, I think you have to, I think a, I think a day is fair. Well, no I mean, spoilers. We, yeah. But, but episode four of Succession, there is also a big a big uh, shock in Ooh. the very first Oh, shit, scene. okay. okay. I'm, I'm right. literally about to go and watch it in a minute. Oh, my so. God, I can't watch it till tomorrow. Oh. Uh. <laughs> um. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm sort of with Ash. Fuck people. Stay off, so, stay off social media. Like you've got 24 hours, yes. Yeah, stay off social it's true. media. I mean, we should be restrained. We should be able to, like, get a grip on ourselves, I guess, is the other thing. It's just, like, it's just a day without Twitter. Come on, how hard can it be? Yeah, um, I suppose. I suppose. Um and it is so rare that you get a show these days because obviously, like most shows, just sort of drop all their all their episodes at once. In which case, there are no rules because when are you supposed to not tweet at that point? Like, so yeah, it's very rare that you get these sort of Game of Thrones, Succession sort of you know uh, water cooler episode a week moments. I suppose The Last of Us was maybe one of them, but I don't know if it was watched. Yeah, I did. Enough. I stayed off social media for that, and I muted words and as many words as I could think of this is the problem sometimes you'll mute everything that you thought of and then all of a sudden something will pop up so yeah there's always an Arsenal squad member that I've forgotten the <laughs> name of that uh, allows some Arsenal content to sneak through on my timeline but um, anyway I think we did a good job of uh, being sort of you know glum enough to not disrespect um, the mood of Spurs Nation but also uh, you know, finding some some shards of light in the in the grey. I think we've done quite little well there. shards of light to like you know cut ourselves on. <laughs> Rosa, no, I'm sorry, on. I'm sorry. Um, I stuff. do believe it's all going to be fine. I okay, mean, I good. That. 
Um, I'm not really sure. I've, I'm quite psyched by this sort of new Aussie guy. I feel like that could fix things. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about Scott Munn, sens- sensible Aussie, coming to save yeah. us from the city group. Um, I feel like that's another one for Billy, because Billy's, like, really excited by him in a way that <laughs> um, uh, sort of shocked me somewhat. But, um, you know, I think that's what Spurs have done to even Billy. They've left him... You know, beside himself with excitement about a very boring. Yes, another Australian level man. of senior management. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we are, people. Uh, yeah. That was episode twenty-eight of season two of Hometown Glory. Thank you very much, Ash. Thank you very much, Rosa. Thank you very much, Tom. Thank you all for listening. Uh, Rosa, see us home, please. Up the Spurs. Mm-hmm.